0: Welcome to Run Twelve One Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Justin Goins. Well, good morning. This is Pastor, or actually, good afternoon, good midday, <laughs> whenever you're listening to this episode. Hello, uh, this is Pastor Justin Goins with Run Twelve One Podcast, and. um, just want to, again, just want to thank you for taking time to just pause and stop and take a quick uh, supplemental, if you may, supplemental Bible uh, regurgitation or help for whatever task you're doing. If it's driving, if it's working out, if it's mowing grass, if it's a run, um, if it's just sitting down relaxing and just, you know, getting some more of God's word taught to you. I hope this is a blessing today uh, as we jump into the next segment or the next conversation uh, uh, portion of the passage of Scripture that we've been studying together here in the Book of Acts. We're just making our way through the Book of Acts. Sometimes dealing once or twice in each chapter. Sometimes three or four times in each chapter, depending on the length, but also depending on what's happening there. Remember, the Book of Acts is the book written by Luke, who also writes the Gospel of Luke. He is writing as kind of a a sequel, if you may, to his Gospel. Uh, the Gospel of Luke records uh about the life of jesus the gospel of or rather the gospel but the the book of acts records the ascension of jesus and then how the church took jesus to the ends of the world um how the church started so there's a lot of firsts that happen f-i-r-s-t-s firsts first church first uh opportunity first deaths we see this and so as me being a pastor but just as a Christian, we can learn a lot from from the Book of Acts and how the early church handled. Remember, last week we looked at when we have situations that arise to start seeing them as opportunities, not issues. So we 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 get to see how the first church in the early stages handled the opportunity set before them. Well, last week we looked at that and saw how the church leadership, actually the church pastor and staff, if you may, um, took. The opportunity of the widows and the people that were having a hard time taking care of themselves and getting food and served, they said, "Well, hey let's use this up as an opportunity to to uh, let God's word ring loud and clear but also in unity um, but we're not stopping what God has called us to do like we are sure we know what our task is so let's let's ordain some men, some spiritual men over this task to serve and to help out aka Deacons, and they did seven men, one of which was Stephen. Stephen, we learn about in what the Bible says about Stephen in verse five of chapter six. It says, "In this, in this saying, pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost." So he was a man full of faith. So he had obviously a gift of faith, and he was in he he was full of the Holy Ghost, meaning he obviously was a believer. Um, but then we we see this. Other, these other men that are chosen, we see the the opportunity solved, the situation solved. Then we see unity because of it. And then the scene shifts, starting in where we're picking up today in verse 8 all the way till verse 15. <clears throat> what, do, what do we see? Let me just read 8 and 9. And Stephen, there he is again, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of uh, libertines, the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians, and of them of Sicilia and of Asia disputing with Stephen, which is interesting. The sect of Sicilia here, we know that Paul was there. Paul saw the one that we will see in a couple chapters from now, persecuting the church. At the end of chapter seven was Stephen's death, which we'll look at probably next episode. We see this young man consenting to the death, Paul, Saul. Interesting. And we know that he was there with this group because he was of that sect of Sicilia. He doesn't say his name directly there, but doing our study of this, and we'll probably handle this in a week or so, or an episode or two down the road, with who Saul, who Paul is. But we know that. So just giving you a little bit of insight ahead. And says, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake, meaning Stephen. Then they suburned men or stubborn men or these men that were out and about to be angry and upset, which heard, said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council. And set up, get this, false witnesses, which said, this man seeth not, ceases not to speak blasphemous words against his holy place and the law. And we're false witnesses. And It goes for, for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on him saw his face, get this, as if it had been the face of an angel. Sitting there, innocent with it. And the scene doesn't close, but the chapter ends there. We pick up the next scene, next episode. The main point I wanted to drive here, we've already handled in a couple episodes back, jealousy, as Proverbs says, is a rage of a man. We know that. The Bible explains that in Proverbs 6, 34. So we've dealt with that last chapter, understanding how when, when, the, when, when somebody steals your thunder, or somebody comes in and does a better job, the same job as what you're doing, and the crowd shifts, what happens in the motive of your heart, or what happens in that motive in your, I mean, in that moment, there we go, <laughs> and that moment in your heart directly shows you the intent or the motive of your heart, and these religious leaders got jealous Not that Paul and the church was trying to be prideful or trying to steal their thunder. They were just being obedient with the gospel of Jesus Christ and doing what Jesus told them to do. The religious leaders, the religious elite did not like that. They wanted to be in charge. They wanted to have the say. They wanted the people to like them better and their way better. And so they started persecuting. Well, guess what happens yet again? The same thing happens here. Give me one second here. I need to plug up my computer so mid episode give me one second there we go just had to make sure that i plugged that in so we don't lose power so i forgive me for that little short pause bad podcasting host here so bear with me <laughs> nonetheless um we see we 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 see that regurgitating here in the same chapter. And and not that it's not something important to talk about. I mean, I just did take about four minutes to talk about it, but we've dealt with that about two episodes ago. So if you want to listen to that, go back and think about episode number 10, and you can really dive into understanding that better. But this episode, I really just want to focus on Stephen, the example of internal and external service. Now, we see what the opportunity was. We see what the situation was. We see what was Stephen's job. We see it. Chapter number six, the early stages, is that the widows, the people that were having a hard time taking care of themselves, they were being overlooked, the service of the tables, financial issues, and the mindset of not being able to take care of themselves, not being able to provide food or cook, whatever the case is. And so they were ordained to do that. That was their do- job. And if they got up, did their job, and went home, praise Jesus. But we see something here. We see Stephen doing more. Now, some may argue, well, why didn't you know? Why, why couldn't the leaders and the pastors, when the, the when the opportunity arised, do more? It's not that they didn't do those things or help out. It's that that wasn't their main job or task. Their job or task by God was given to studying the Word of God in prayer, to be able to take the Word of God, rightly divide the Word of truth, and hand it over via preaching, via teaching, via counseling to the church. It's a major task, a weighty task. Not that it's more important or better than any task, it's just that it's A lot goes into that. A lot more time is involved in that. Again, let me say this clearly. Not that they are better or me being a pastor that my gift or I'm more important or better. That's not what, that's not what the word of God is saying, nor I. But just that that task does take longer to do that gifting, that calling, that job from God takes a longer time to do and with a little bit more precision trying to rightly divide the word of truth. But hear me, what Stephen was doing was doing his job, but doing also what is called of every single Christian. We read here that he wasn't just also taking care of what he was supposed to do. He was also going out and just talking about Jesus and sharing the gospel. It says in Stephen, verse 8, full of faith and power to great wonders and miracles among the people. And there arose certain in the synagogue, which called the synagogue, and it goes through them disputing with Stephen at the end of that chapter, uh, verse nine, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. And so, when we put that together, we learn that Peter, that that Stephen was a man who internally served. He did his task. He did his job he did it very well. He served Jesus. He lived out Jesus. Let Jesus, or not just let, but allowed and succumbed. His life to Jesus, living in him and through him to do the task of a deacon. But it wasn't all he did. He was also a man that understood the obedience of understood the command that you got to get out there and talk about Jesus to people. Not just do your gifting job, not just do your job, but get out and talk about Jesus. So he was and the the utmost example of internal, aka his job, his deaconship, if you may, and external, you can just say simply his Christianship. Of taking the gospel and just talking about Jesus, what an example he was! Now we do see the jealousy of these individuals. They did actually to Stephen the same exact thing they did to Jesus. They lied. They set up false witnesses. If you recall, in the gospel accounts, at the end they were they 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 couldn't accuse Jesus, and so they set up false example. I mean, false witnesses against him that 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 lied against him. And Jesus' response was the same thing as Stephen's response is basically having the face of an angel sitting there, not really responding. Jesus had something he had to do, the cross. And so it, it, it's it's what what we would say here is the foreshadowing, not really the foreshadowing, the parallelism of Stephen's life to Jesus's life. Stephen is not Jesus. So please hear what, please do not hear me say that. That's not what I'm saying. But Stephen's life, Stephen's reaction, what we read about Stephen is very picturesque of what Jesus did and what Jesus went through. And so we're starting to see the outpouring of a life example of Jesus after he has lived, died, and resurrected and ascended in this deacon named Stephen, and we'll see it further at the end of his preaching he does in chapter seven, at the end of his message that he gives to these people who, these false witnesses and the religious, the religious elite, we see something very interesting as they kill Stephen, as they stone him to death, what he does at the end of that. Maybe you want to jump ahead to the end of chapter seven, read chapter seven, but you'll see what I'm talking about if you take a look at the, after you get through chapter seven and you read towards the end what 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 Stephen says, what what Stephen does. Just really simple, kind of drawing in a conclusion here this morning. Stephen is the example of internal and external service. Let me just make application and I'll be done. Can you ask that to yourself? Ask that to yourself. Internal and external service with the church that I belong to. How am I doing that? Am I internally serving in my task, in my job, in my gift? I get an awesome job of pastoring Blue Creek Baptist Church in Keaton Beach, or really it's the town of Perry, but it's Keaton Beach, Florida. It's an awesome task. It's great, great church, great people. My job, my gifting is pastor, teacher, shepherd, elder, bishop, all those words crammed into one person, one gift. Evangelist as well. Encourager. And that's my internal. Other people have leadership. Hospitality. Grace. Mercy. Giving. Faith. As Stephen had. These are different gifts. What is your gift? If you if you don't know and I'm your pastor, come see me. If you don't know and... You want to know, go ask your pastor. If you're listening, and you're not part of a church, feel free to reach out to me or go find a church where you live at. But what are your how are you internally serving? Are you internally serving? This may shock you, but there's no gift, and you probably heard this, there's no spiritual gift of a chair or a pew sitter, or just an attender. There's no gift found in that, in Scripture. So what is your gift? And then secondly, besides your gift, besides your internal service, how is your external service to your family, to your neighbors, to your community, to your town, to your city? How is your external service? Could it be said the same thing that was said about Stephen, verse 10, and entered? put in your name and let's say Justin or your name are these people were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which Justin spake or put your name in there by blank spake. Can that be said about you? The wisdom that you have and the spirit by which you spake, that people could not resist that. I mean, you don't got to go to seminary to get that. And a lot of people, I'm just not a smart individual. And when you study out the life of the individuals that Jesus called, <laughs> you will notice very quick and fast. He didn't call the smart. I mean, maybe we got Matthew, Levi, a tax collector. doesn't mean he was smart, but he's really good with numbers. We do have Luke. Luke wasn't a disciple. We do have Paul. Paul was probably, the, I would say, arguably the smartest individual that we read about in the New Testament as, as a follower of Christ. I'm going to argue to say that how many more people were there besides paul so the the majority not them'm saying that they were dumb or stupid that's not what I'm trying to say or they weren't this elite top of the line class individuals they were ordinary fishermen ordinary men ordinary women not learned people that were full of wisdom full of the holy Spirit of God how do we get wisdom what's wisdom wisdom is easiest way to say it is knowledge applied. They learn, they read the word of God, and they just did what the word of God told them. That's how you get wisdom. We think wisdom of some kind of like Gandalf or some type of like um, uh, like uh, Harry Potter, whatever that the, the wizard guy with the white hair is. Or we think of these like Albert Einstein wisdom. Uh, that That's not wisdom. They were very smart, knowledgeable men. But they showed wisdom because the knowledge which they knew, they took and they applied it, becoming wise. Anybody can be wise. I mean, you can have teenagers, younger individuals be wise by learning something and not just taking that knowledge and sitting on it, but taking that knowledge and applying it. And so don't, don't use it as an excuse. Don't use it as, well, I'm not smart. Ma'am, sir, brother, sister, that, I, that, that, that's... It's not like you just got away with it, as if like some by, by saying that, like, oh well, well the people in the Bible are smart. No, it, it just even proves the point even the more that okay, great. So was ninety eight percent of the people in the Bible in your same situation, but they were able to have wisdom. How? It's simple: reading and obeying. Read the Word of God and put to practice what you have read. That's how we gain in wisdom. So, how are you internally serving? How are you externally serving? Let's get to work. Let's get to work and let's, let's be obedient. Let's have, let's be men. Let's be women. Let's be brothers and sisters in Christ that rise up together and be internal servants and external servants for the glory of God. God bless. Have a great day. Thanks for taking the time to listen to Run Twelve One podcast. Run your marathon race that God has placed you in. God bless.